and welcome back to another exciting episode of DSLR Film New Podcast. Mitch from Planet 5D joins me today to discuss all kinds of fun stuff. We've got some pre-release leaks and all kinds of adapters. Today seems to be an adapter day. But first, Mitch, what have you been up to, man? Hey, DJ. It's Planet 5D day, right? Oh, I've man. I've got my t-shirt on. I've got my Planet 5D sound effects. I've got everything all set and ready to go. I'm the money man. Well, on <laughs> my end here, I am at a weird angle today, and you'll notice that because I am in a 300-square-foot little tiny apartment right now, and <laughs> my wife is also up trying to get ready to go. So I chose an angle that would let her have her own freedom in the background. So that's what's going on with this. You're but... such an awesome husband. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Rustling her out of bed at 5 a.m. because I'm up. You, you never realize how how much you need partitions in a house until you don't have any partitions at all. So yeah. just keep that in mind if you ever decide to move to New York, guys. Going going minimalistic is rather difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I am excited to have rooms again. So only one more month of this kind of crazy lifestyle, and I'll be back to normal again. But... Enough about that. On that note, let's go you? on to the news. Time for the news. Time for the news. First up, we've got the pre-release leak of the Panasonic G7. Looks like this guy has a lot of the specs pulled right out of the GH4. I'm going through the list here. We've got 4K video. We've got more 4K options, so 30p and 24p. You've got the same 16 megapixel sensor. You've got a newer Venus engine, whatever that means, and basically the same shutter and uh, EVF and everything else that you get out of the GH4. The expected price on this guy is going to be somewhere in the $800 range, where the GH4 is sitting at $1,200, and this is sitting at $800, do you just spend a little bit extra and get the slightly upgraded model, or do you save a little bit and get this one without the audio jacks and a few other things missing? I think that's uh, totally up to your budget-mindedness of your viewer. Um, Panasonic's doing a great job of putting out new cameras quite often, whereas some of the other manufacturers... <coughs> Canon. Uh, Nikon, <laughs> uh, you know, they're they're basically on a three-year time cycle, which is okay. Uh, I, I've been in manufacturing when I worked for Boeing, and I know how long product cycles can be. So it's rather nice that some of the smaller companies can have be nimble and create great products and put them out. If you're needing to save some cash, then, yeah, this looks like a great little camera. I think the biggest thing for this, and, and I'm guessing on the audio inputs and the headphone stuff, because that was what they did on the G6, is that basically you'll have everything that the Big Brother camera has minus the headphone monitoring and the audio stuff. So if you're recording audio separately, uh, the difference of about 400 bucks or 500 bucks, depending on whether you buy a GH4 new or used, is enough to pay for a decent little audio kit. So maybe that's the solution here. Instead, get yourself a nice uh, DR70 or a DR60 uh, from Tascam and then get yourself a nice mic from Rode and do your audio separately, and then that way you don't have to worry about it. It's still a pretty attractive deal, and it's nice that Panasonic is releasing stuff on a regular basis. I would like to see new sensors and some new actual tech in this as opposed to just trickling down stuff from their higher brands. 
But good job, Panasonic. Uh, you can find out more on that on 4thirdrumors.com. Check out their leaked specs. They've been putting out new stuff every day. So that should be announced on the 18th, I believe. Moving on down the line here, we've got adapter time. Uh, we talked about this adapter last week, I believe, Mitch. And this is the Kippen. I'm a little bit further along on this now. Before it was just, hey, look at this. We got a high-speed thing and a note that told you that they did, but otherwise no other information. Now, have you watched these videos? Because they are darned amazing, man. This autofocus on a Micro Four Thirds camera with an EF lens adapted is just moving almost as fast as a native uh, Micro Four Thirds lens. Very impressive, uh, the little video that you found there. I I think you only linked to one. Is that right? Uh, yeah, there's there's actually three total, but they're all basically just demonstrating a different lens on the same camera body. That thing, half press, and it's like pulling focus just like that. It is really sexy. I'm for, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I still, by the way, have have yet to really test the DEC adapter from Aperture that we were talking about last week as well. Um, because I've been putting up this very desk thing that, that we talked a little bit about last week, because I'm now standing. Yay! <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you get a new a, a new desk, and, and you quite well know because you've been moving in, and you're trying like crazy. So everything's a mess around here. I mean, if you saw what's behind me, the boxes on the floor and the junk that was on the desk that's now on the floor and all, <laughs> everywhere else... Uh, uh, so I haven't had much chance to try to do a whole lot of anything besides getting ready for this monstrosity that I'm now using. And, and I'll, I think next week I'm gonna, I've got a, a web webcam that maybe I can attach and I can show you more about the way this thing works. It's pretty cool. Uh, so you've moved into the the big desk, right? Sorry. Oh, now I'm interested in your stand-up desk again. <laughs> I kind of, you know, as soon as I have a home again and I can actually install my own desk what do you think? Are you happy with it so far? Is it really changing the way you use your computer and the way you spend time online? Changing the way I spend time online? No. Uh, standing and uh, effectively getting a little bit more exercise during the day because I, I have to walk around a little bit um, is certainly, I think, helping me with my health. Uh, but it's it's the more I learn, the more I realize you've got to not only stand, but you've got to be able to sit, which is why many people aren't just buying a pure standing desk. They're buying the ones to go up and down, which this one does. Uh, and this one fits on top of a regular desk. So it's sort of the cheapy model of instead of buying the thousand dollars stand up, sit down desk, stand up, sit down, bite, bite, bite. <laughs> uh, you, you end up with keeping your original desk and having this on top, which is it's 65 pounds. So it's, it's a pretty massive little unit that sits on your desk. And it's got to be heavy because you're putting, at least I've got right now my iMac and a new 24-inch uh, monitor to the side. Yeah. So you kind of have to have something heavy on your desk, which I'm sure the FedEx guy really loved picking up. But that's a whole other story. Hey, you so, know yeah, what? I'm Amazon I'm sells sorry. full beds, man. They they <laughs> ship an entire bed in a box to your house. So, you know, 65-pound desk, not too bad. That's true. Very true. So we'll talk more about that next week, I'm sure, as I as I have the ability to show you more. Uh, I, I'm just sort of still getting things arranged. I'm still not even 
used to the microphone being over here on my right side as opposed to my left side because it just wouldn't fit over there. Uh, so we've got all sorts of changes going on around here. Now, moving back to the just adapter like here, the Kippen, this guy is a $339 adapter. It does not have the focal reducer that's built in like the uh, Metabones units does, but it does provide really fast autofocus from the demos. I actually went ahead and ordered one of these, and I'll be testing that out shortly as I do have a bunch of Panasonic cameras and a bunch of Canon lenses to try out. If the autofocus works as fast as demoed in that video, this could be a really nice extra deal to throw my GH4 in with my Canon stuff when I need to get a little bit more reach, actually double the reach out of any of my lenses. Mitch, would this encourage you to switch over to a GH4 body? I am still very tempted to switch to either a GH4 or maybe a Sony um, because of the TEC adapter. I'm still very impressed by that. Um, and we talked about that a little with the, with the thumb wheel and I don't have that out, so I can't show it to you this week. Uh, so it'll be, I'm still curious to see whether or not the speed of the aperture DEC is anything close to this. One. I mean, this one is very impressive with those videos. Well, very even impressive. if it's not as fast, the aperture DEC unit is actually a whole nother ball of wax because it's got all those controls for point focus and setting right. focus points and everything else. So even if it's not as fast, those tools, especially what was the price? I believe for like four eighty nine, four ninety nine, no, something 389. like that. Three eighty nine. Oh, three eighty nine. Cheaper than the one that you're buying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you get more features and it's. <laughs> less expensive than this so you know that's a, a whole nother thing if you're looking for a focus pulling unit for your lenses man that's a good option as well i don't right. really find myself pulling as much focus on my autofocus lenses as i thought i would years ago so most of the time i grab a manual focus lens if i'm going to be pulling focus in an actual gear and a follow focus system if i'm using autofocus lenses I generally just set a focus point and go to town. If I need to do anything else, I'll whip out Magic Lantern and set a couple of focus points on it. Well, you can also change the aperture on the fly, but that's all another story. Yeah, well, you then you're getting often, into right? de-clicking and everything else. Right. Otherwise, during video performance, you don't really want that. You know, I know a lot of guys talk about how important uh, declicking the aperture is and going from one room to another and, and, you know, smooth aperture transitions, but it's not something that I run into or need very often, so it's never been something I've really sought after or really wanted in my lens collection. Mitch, do you, do you even have any concerns about that? <laughs> uh, not with what I do, and again, just... In case people don't know, I tend to simply shoot video for Planet 5D stuff. I'm not making massive films or commercials. And so declicking and all that kind of stuff is not something I need to do. Now, moving on down the line here, uh, this is actually from you, and this is called the Indivice. This looks to be an adapter of some kind for your smartphone that turns it into a quote-unquote, full-fledged film production tool. Mitch, what do you know about this thing? Uh, what we know right now is all that just has come out on the announcements page itself. Uh, this came out, I think, yesterday or late afternoon on Wednesday. Today's Friday. It's an awesome-looking device for those of you looking to do smartphone kind of filmmaking, which agreeably 
many of you are like, oh, I don't want to do that because, you know, the smartphone doesn't have that much capability in terms of the fact that it's got a small sensor and you don't have a whole lot of depth of field. Uh, but this, this in-device, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the right way to pronounce that one as well, uh, in-device, in-device, uh, I think they're using the vice word because it has the ability to adapt to any kind of smart lens. Why is there beeping going on? I don't know. I don't hear any beeping. <laughs> okay. There are some messages popping up there, but anyway. All right. Uh, the, it, it, it like takes your smartphone with a little vice adapter and it adds on the back a viewfinder, which we have not seen before in terms of a smartphone. We've seen them on DSLRs and of course on, on, Big boy cameras have viewfinders that are adaptable. This one has a viewfinder. So you can see your smartphone screen. It has a handle on the top. It also has a start and a stop button as well as a zoom functionality. Oh, you're presenting. That's what the beeping sound is. Okay. And so you're showing there one of the animated GIFs or GIFs, depending upon how you like to say that word, where they're showing the front end can be a, a GoPro or a lens system like a Zeiss, uh, anything that you can attach to your smartphone on the front. And I'm, I'm still not quite sure about that GoPro, GoPro adapter because it appears to be just showing... I mean, <laughs> I don't know why you would slap a GoPro on well, the front of a Well, there's smartphone. a few devices that are out there right now, and I don't know. To me, it seems silly, but they want their smartphone to be in front of their GoPro so that they can use the wireless link system with their GoPro to monitor it like you would a regular uh, viewfinder. And it works, but then there's a delay because the GoPro system is not you know, instantaneous right. going to your phone. So when you move... It's, you know, uh, you know, however many milliseconds or seconds delay before you see what the GoPro is actually seeing. And I've seen people walk around with them. It's not something I would use because if you need that sort of functionality, just grab the little backpack monitor and put it on there. I mean, why would you right. have your phone on there? If your phone's attached, you're losing the ability to go underwater or do any of the things that makes the GoPro extreme. So right. then what is that for? On this guy, though, the first thing I noticed, and we were talking about this pre-show, is actually that it has the zoom function. Well, what are they doing with the zoom function? Is this going to be some sort of Bluetooth implementation where they zoom with the digital zoom in the camera? I mean, in the right. phone? And then I'm assuming that, yeah. And there's no links shown in the picture as well, so it's not going through the USB port, or at least not shown as going through the USB port on this device. The adapter as well, and another thing that's somewhat concerning here, is that the lens... It looks as though it just screws into a mount and then basically hangs over the front of your element on your camera. Well, uh, is there anything to protect the glass back there? You know, is there um, a, a sheet of glass or something that is behind that? Or is that just going to be exposed to the environment and, you know, you could get dust or anything else in there? Are you going to want to put your expensive lenses on something like this? 
And then what about powering up the lenses for the lenses that require power in order to uh, change the aperture and stuff like that? Is there going to be some sort of change for that? And I, I know none of these are answered yet, but <laughs> those are all the things that come to mind right away that become problematic. And these were the same problems that plagued some of those crazy iPad adapters. You remember when those yeah. were uh, coming to fruition? It was like people were carrying around these things that were the size of you know, a football and trying to film with them, giant handles and lens adapters and mic adapters all on your iPad. And you already look a bit foolish carrying an iPad around and filming, in my opinion. So, right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting little device, and I can see quite a bit of functionality to it, especially with the fact that you can add uh, things like lights or a monitor on the top and, and in the video if you go watch there's the video on indievice.com or of course if you come to, to to see the blog post that we did this morning then you'll you'll see that they have added a monitor which is another iphone which is i'm not quite sure how they've managed that either um, so i'm i'm really curious to see where this goes it looks pretty exciting it looks like sort of the thing that we've been missing because you've been able to do little bits and pieces with the smartphone before, you know, you could put, like we said, lenses on the front, or maybe you could use an adapter to put a, a light kit on the top of it or a microphone. Uh, but now these things are sort of, you know, it's a, it's sort of an integrated all in one device that we've never had before. So I'm really curious to see how this works and, and, where it's going to go from here. Now, is there any word yet on pricing for this guy? I have not seen anything about pricing, no. I was trying to find something about that, and I haven't found anything yet. Hmm. Well, it, I think they're, they're, they're maybe going to go through Kickstarter first. So, so we should get some preliminary pricing, at least on the Kickstarter right. release. Yeah, it does look fairly interesting. You know, I don't have any use for this, but I could see someone getting excited about it. Wasn't there a, a Japanese director that filmed an entire movie with an iPhone 5 or iPhone 5S like last year or the year before that was supposed to be pretty decent? Yeah, there was one at uh, this year's Sundance that was shot entirely on an iPhone. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, there are, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are people shooting commercials with the iPhones. You know, there are people doing portions of a movie, if not an entire movie, with the iPhone. It's, it's a tool. It's just like anything else. You know, it's like the GoPro. It's a tool. It's not necessarily something that you're going to shoot an entire movie with at this point. But in terms of making it into more of a device that, I mean, you know, when we had the DSLR revolution, right, the first thing everybody wanted to do was to put a monitor on the top and <laughs> a battery on the back. And we still haven't talked about the loggers lunchbox. We'll probably talk about that maybe next week because I'm having lunch with them today, which is which is a cool team. Uh, but, you know, we added all these different things because we needed to have the microphone and the monitor and the lights and all that other stuff. So we ended up with a big rig, right? Yeah. Just like the old big boy cameras, the shoulder mounted ENG things. And that's kind of what we've been missing from the smartphone world is the way to put all of those things together into one little unit. And I think that's what this brings, which is why I'm so excited about it for those people who need to shoot with that small tool, the smartphone. 
Now, I'm going to actually skip around in the show notes here because we're talking about oh, no. smartphones right now. And uh, I'm going to bring this screen up. I was looking at this crazy thing on Planet5D.com, and it looks what? like a phone <laughs> with, what, seven sensors on the back? Is is that what I'm seeing here? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to apologize because he wrote this article, and I haven't even read it. I was so busy doing some of these other things. Oh, no problem. And, I just caught this this morning, too, and I'm looking at it, and man, what the heck? How are they? It looks like, so my first impression is that they're somehow combining seven sensors to create a single 52 megapixel image uh, from the smartphone camera. And uh, according to the Petapixel article that's linked here, they are use, they are suspecting this could be in the next iPhone, which... Wow, what a crazy deal. Um, Mitch, I know you haven't really read through this, but would you would you buy a crazy-looking phone like this? And maybe is this the solution to turning your phone into the ultimate camera? I Well, <laughs> if, if, if maybe you combine it with the in-device uh, so that you can do multiple things uh, with it in all-in-one package, maybe it does become more of that awesome thing uh yeah i don't know i'm looking at this and i'm thinking how do you put a how would you put a lens over the top of that how would you adapt to it it's got looks like four leds kind of crammed in there somewhere that are uh, a light sources for filming i i'm gonna have to read more on this i'm gonna skip this one yeah <laughs> let's let's go on to something more interesting <laughs> uh that one's just a pie in the sky strange thing uh, next up on the list here is actually the Canon 50mm F1.8 STM. And it does have an upgrade in features, and, and Minch added this to the show notes. Uh, it's got an STM motor versus the ultrasonic motor, which is a stepping motor versus a regular PWM drive motor. So it does have a little bit more finesse when you're using the new autofocus systems. But it appears, uh, according to, looks like, uh, who wrote this? Uh, Chuck Westfall. Uh, this has the exact same optics as the 50mm F1.8 original and the 50mm F1.8 Mark II. Uh, is that disappointing? Is that not disappointing? Do you think this is a worthy upgrade? I, I think there are several things that are, of course, very appealing to this. Uh, the STM motor is awesome for those people who are doing autofocus. Or even the even the I, I should say autofocus in cinema as well as those who are doing autofocus because it's those the STM lenses are very smooth and they don't jump around. Uh, we posted a video on Planet 5D. You've heard of Planet 5D, right? That's a place. Um, I got to keep throwing these things in. You know, now that I got it working right, I got to <laughs> throw them in every now and then. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a video that shows the old, uh, S uh, the non STM motor on the Mark II version of the 50 millimeter and the new one. And you can see that it's just so much smoother when it does the autofocus, which is appealing in many ways, right? It's, it's just nicer to have that new technology. It's a $125 lens, right? Do, do we really expect them to make a massive change in the way it looks, uh, I'm sorry. In the in the in the optics, I mean, it looks great. The optics are pretty damn good, right? Everybody loves this lens. 
So well, it's not, gotten a little bit better in the build quality department, which well, is where a lot of the complaints were to begin with. Right. So right. no plastic uh, back mount anymore. Now it's metal. Uh, the the uh, focus ring is improved. It's supposed to be much smoother and uh, have a longer throw. Uh, it's got the new motor system inside of it. And you're right. You know, it's a hundred and twenty dollar, hundred and twenty five dollar lens. Uh, the original fifty one eight is down to like eighty bucks. So. I guess you can't really expect awesome quality. I was just surprised. Usually when they release a new lens, you do get an upgrade in optics to something. You know, maybe they use a new coating or maybe they use some sort of like a spherical element that you've never seen before, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And right. it seems like both the 51.4 and the 51.8 have kind of been languishing in the same optics that were available in the pre-EF uh, lens adapter, I mean, amounts. Because I, I think, if I remember correctly, the FD lenses from the 900 series, weren't those optics just moved into the 51.4 and the 51.8? Oh, you're asking me? Oh, I don't... Yeah, yeah sorry. I know that answer, but not me. Okay, that well, my suspicion was that that was how it, it went, and that's why uh, other companies have been releasing 51.4s lately, like Sigma's, because they can actually use modern optic systems to create a better 50 than you get from the Canon 51.4. And there's been a lot of rumors that Canon would replace the 51.4 with a Mark II version, but we haven't seen it yet. And it would be very disappointing if they followed in the suit of the 51.8 and went with the exact same optics in the next round of 51.4s. I don't know. I I never really liked the fifty one eight, but that's because I have a one two and a one four in my collection. So, yeah, yeah. But it's updated. If you guys are using anything with the new AF system in video mode, you definitely want to at least check out the STM lenses. Uh, the forty f two eight, I believe, is uh, also a decent choice. That little pancake is a very cute lens to look at. Now, this is I the, have bread the forty. Oh, you have the forty. Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, I use it a lot actually, and I and I may actually buy this fifty uh, millimeter to just to be able to say I've got a new lens. <laughs> wow. Moving on to the more exciting <laughs> stuff here. Um, this oh, is that was a great. I I wish I could record that part. Wow. <laughs> this I, I, I might use that as a sound effect. Uh, I'll send you. <laughs> I'll send you a sample of it. You can just add the wow every time. Um, this is actually really cool, and I'm going to go ahead and display this here. This is the Lily. This thing is actually, it solves a lot of the problems that I normally complain about when I talk about quadcopters and the whole drone movement in general. Uh, my biggest complaint about drones is that people don't take enough time to learn how to fly them, and then they end up crashing their extremely expensive camera as well as their drone and destroying, you know, anywhere from a thousand all the way up to five thousand dollars, depending on how fancy you get. This guy is a self-piloting tracking drone that you throw in the air and it starts going. It's waterproof, which probably means more like water resistant, but they show it in the demo. They show it in the demo splashing into the water. So, I mean, that's pretty great. You know, how many times have people lost their drones going over a lake or something like that, you know, or a big body of water? And Uh this thing follows a tracker that's strapped to your wrist. So, you put a tracker on your wrist, 
And as soon as you start uh, recording, it will follow you either off to the side, behind you, or in front of you based on the position of that tracker that's on your arm. And on top of that, the tracker has audio recording inside that syncs with the video. So you can... <gasps> yeah, exactly. A f- freaking mic on your arm or shoulder or whatever. I know at first it's like, well, DJ, you're getting way too excited about this thing. But... Man, these are all the things that I want. I want to not have to fly it. I want it to just follow along like a nice crane shot. I want it to do all these things. Mitch, are you excited about this? That sounds like excitement. (laughs) I I was very impressed by this. Uh, When I saw the video that we, uh, by the way, we had a little special feature over on Planet 5D. You've heard of us, right? I'm sorry. I'm just having fun today. Oh, man. It's okay. Um, It's not like it's the Planet 5D show or anything. It's the DSLR Film New Podcast. Just so everybody knows, I'm not trying to convert you over to Planet 5D. Just having fun with my sound effects. Anyway, we had a... a, um, All of a sudden, I can't come up with his name. Guy sent us a little description of how he was invited to, to film this promo video for the the lily and so if you want to read about that you can come over to planet 5d and see that but when i first saw the video and the one of the very first things they do is they take show you the drone holding it in their in their hands and then they just suddenly throw it up in the air and it starts going because it's not moving the propellers are not moving when you're holding it in your hand right yeah throw it up in the air and all of a sudden it goes and i'm thinking oh my god they're going to they're going to break this thing and but no you just toss it or they show throwing it off of a bridge and the thing just you know within a few seconds realizes that it's it's moving faster than it was in your hand and so it turns itself on and off it goes that's pretty awesome there are a few things in that video that are a little bit scary though uh the bit where he's like hey let me put my hand out and it'll land on it you right. know, do you want quadcopter blades spinning next to your face and like, oh, yeah, the tracking system works perfectly. It's going to land in my hand. But yeah. still, the throwing option is really cool. The waterproof option, it's got a 20-minute battery life. And they're doing sort of their own Kickstarter-esque thing with this. The pricing is also really nice if you order early. Uh, $4.99 before June 15th. After that, the price will be jumping up to $9.99. Now this have is you ordered? yes I have I pulled the trigger uh, yesterday I saw this before I think you even got an article up on it and I I was like oh whoa I I'm I'm in on this before I even talk about it I don't want to tell people about it before the price jumps I'm gonna get it right away <laughs> and so I pulled the trigger on this guy um, now the, this is a Kickstarter style thing so. Even though they have a product ready to go, they're not actually releasing in full production until 2016. So by ordering this, I may have put myself into a a bind where I'm waiting for a year to get a product. And it may be that this gets delayed or somebody comes out with something that's even cooler. And I'm sitting on or they're sitting on my $499 for that entire time. So only the brave and the people that uh, can afford to throw away 500 bucks uh, should probably go with the pre-order. But look at the video. Take a look at this thing. This is really sexy. Miss, Mitch, did I miss anything on this drone, That any of the features or anything that I'm going through here? Because I am, I'm really excited about this. Well, I think one of the FAQs 
one of the questions was because it's a 20 minute battery or a 20 minute fly time one of the big questions was could you replace the battery and of course their answer was no because we've made it waterproof Ooh. Uh, then we don't want you necessarily having that door to pop open or you know leak or whatever uh, and so in a future version there may be one that's not so waterproof that would have a exchangeable battery which would be a great option i mean because 20 minutes isn't necessarily very long fly time and, and they don't i don't think they mentioned how long the charge time was in order to recharge so that could be a potential issue if you were going to try to do an all-day shoot with it maybe you need to have two or three yeah right <laughs> but you know so that that could be a, a negative but if you plan what you're doing if you were going to use it to shoot then it may be great. We we obviously want to see what the video quality is going to be. I mean, they've shown us some there, but you know, we want to see real people using it, really, right? Yeah. The other thing to note on this is that it has no uh, avoidance system for collisions. So, if it's following you and you go underneath some trees or you go through some area with lots of obstacles. It doesn't know that there's a building in front of it or anything else. And you'll you'll notice in the promo video, and we have a link to that in the show notes, that it is in open, wide open countryside where they're running around with this thing following them. It's not in an urban setting where there's a bunch of houses and antennas and things like that to run into. So you might want to do some pre-planning if you are using the AutoFly system. Uh, the the right. power lines are above you, man. You could hit them pretty easily. <laughs> And, and apparently it has some programming capabilities in that you can you can convince it to do a fly around. Uh, they show that in, in the video where it is actually flying in a circle around the, the handheld part. Yeah. The part that you stick in your pocket. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Now, but I'm gonna... obviously, oh. I'm sorry, you, you, you just got to obviously be careful. <laughs> Of where you're sending that sucker, because I mean, even even I'm I'm rewatching the video. They throw they show throwing it off the side of a bridge, and then the guy walking along the bridge. Well, how does the drone go from being thrown to the side of the bridge, off the side, to following him? Does it does it get high enough straight up without crashing into the bridge? Obviously, in this case, it did, right? So it looks like what they're doing <laughs> with the sensor is they're using its spatial coordinates and saying, basically, go this far away in this direction and stay there. So when you have the tracker on you, the drone is staying exactly X number of uh, Y or X one direction and Y one direction and Z the other direction away from wherever your position is. So when they have a side view, it's just doing that to the side. When they have rear view... Uh, that's doing that behind you, and then in, in forward view, it's the same. So unless that's a programmable thing, it's always going to go up and fly to the exact same spot and then try to stay and maintain that distance from the controller. It would be nice if you could change the distance on that or make adjustments by somehow programming or plugging into it. So I don't know if that'll be a feature. This is still kind of new. No one really knows much about it. I'm even being a little yeah. brave, paying 500 bucks and you know throwing it into the ether and hoping that it comes, you know, comes in the mail. <laughs> well, I I do think that there is some some obvious control in the controller 
un, quote unquote. Isn't that an obvious statement, the control in a controller? Yeah, I believe the controller has some control over how this operates. Because it, it does show on the controller there are like four buttons or... Uh, five, five, I think, isn't there? Because there's the start, stop in the middle, and then right. I believe the the coordinates, the, the four around the outside are to determine which part it's hanging out in. And I would guess maybe a double press or something like that in order to do that circular fly around thing, the loop. Right. Yeah, so there's there's obviously, like you say, lots of things that we still don't know yet. Uh, if you're brave like DJ, throw $500 at it. <laughs> Moving on down the line here. <laughs> We've beaten this thing to death, but it's pretty cool. Uh, this is actually something we do know quite a bit about, and this is information basically on the new Premiere Pro release for CC. If you are a Adobe Cloud subscriber, which Mitch is not, you can... <laughs> use some of these new awesome features this also combines two things that mitch does not use first it is a lightroom style interface for your video and second it is new controls and a new layout for premiere pro so i'm going to just quickly talk about this because this is something i'm excited about i know you are probably going to be less excited about it uh this adds a new strip and line to the top of premiere pro which allows you to select a color section uh, 5.5 view or other views if you go to the color section they've actually added regular sliders for contrast for uh, exposure and everything else even vignetting which is nice because normally i would create a template and then lay that over the top in premiere when i needed a little bit of darkening in the corners now you can add all those basic photo features that you see in lightroom in premiere pro when you're editing your video this isn't a full suite of color correction tools but it's enough to basically get you to where you need to be if you don't want to dive in deep and go to speed grade or something like that mitch what do you use for color correction do you even bother with color correction <laughs> what do i do um here's what i do <laughs> nothing i'm a final cut 10 guy okay final cut 10 has some great little color correction features in it which i rarely ever use um so I'm sorry, I don't know squat. Ah, that's okay. These are basically a bunch of really nice extra touches. If you aren't ambitious enough to dive into high-end color correction, uh, these give you some basic color wheels, uh, some extra control over your images, and it's very easy to use and looks to be non-destructive. So it's a nice thing that Adobe is doing for us, adding these tools. If you're a cloud subscriber, go update your CC installation and check these out. I'm going to be messing with these this weekend as I have another editing session coming up. So that's pretty cool. Also, there's a link in the show notes to retool.net where they go over all of these new features. That looks like pretty much it for the show notes. Man, we've really flown through this fast. Mitch, did you <laughs> want to talk a little bit about that uh, lunchbox? Because I know you have a meeting with those guys this afternoon. Um, I know we've had that sort of sitting in the show notes three or four times. Can you kind of give us a quick overview of, of what we're looking at? Sure. Do you you love to control the screen for those of you who are watching? If you just go to loggerslunchbox.com. Loggerslunchbox.com. Loggerslunchbox. And there's a funny little story about how they came up with the name because it has very little to do with filmmaking, right? Everybody's like, why'd you call it that? But you'll have to look at that on their website. 
Yeah, I'm posting in the image right now. Let me share that to everybody. Now, looking at this thing here, it is a giant box that you strap your DSLR into, and it adds a bunch of audio features and everything else that we've kind of... Actually, you were just discussing this. Adding a bunch of stuff to your phone. Well, this is adding a bunch of stuff to your DSLR to turn it into a full camera. But it's, tell me more about it, man. It's, it, it's, I'm laughing because I actually sent to the Logger's Lunchbox team this morning the link to the indie device for the smartphone. And I said, hey, look, somebody's done the Logger's Lunchbox for the smartphone. And they laughed. They think it's funny. We'll talk about it at lunch. But so they're, they're actually calling this product the RNG. They may have several different products. But everybody, when we first got the DSLR, wanted an ENG style or electronic news gathering. For those of you who may not know what ENG stands for, uh, the ability to put your camera up on your shoulder. So there are billions and billions of rigs out there now where you can put your camera up on your shoulder or hold it out front and blah, 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 blah. But those rigs never had the ability to actually add audio functionality or batteries. Or Well, I shouldn't say they didn't have it, but it was kind of kludged on there. Uh, Hannah and Edward are the, are the couple that have put this thing together. They started with a Kickstarter project last fall which was successful and so they're producing now the first 200 units i think they've done 200 that are getting shipped out to those folks who were in the kickstarter project but it has everything is integrated like you wanted it to be or like a big boy camera so you've got the battery on the back which powers all of your devices you have the ability to put on a monitor and power that through the one battery you can power the camera if you've got the right adapter, of course, for that. Um, you can power the microphones. It has the XLR adapters for the microphones. It has a, a place on the side where you can adjust the microphone settings. Uh, it's got all these. It's, it's built like a tank, to be honest with you. They've driven over it with a truck. Uh, they wanted it to be really sturdy, so it's, it's, it's built out of um, steel. I mean, it's, I, I, initially people say it's heavy, but if you go back to the ENG rigs or the ENG cameras, those things used to be incredibly heavy. Well, yeah, uh, you so, add a V-lock battery to your shoulder and you're talking, you know, right. putting a brick on your back basically. Uh, so I'm looking over all the features on this, uh, two XLR inputs, an adapter that brings that audio directly into your camera. So sort of a beach tech or juice link style interface for your audio that goes right in your camera and is built into the rig. It looks like right. they have a four pin XLR adapter. So you can use that with a dummy battery and power your camera off of that. You can run the entire thing off of a V-Lock battery if you want, or an Anton Bauer battery. It looks like it has a nice handle on the top as well as one of those cradles for your boom mic, so you can attach a nice microphone to this. It is basically everything you would expect out of a news camera without the camera portion. Uh, the price, right. though... This is as expensive as a 5D Mark III, man, Two four or $2,499. Yeah. Uh, that is very spendy. You really have to commit if you want this sort of style for that price. If you, yeah, if you think about the fact that if you were going to put all of those pieces together on a rig, I mean, a lot of the Zacuto rigs, not to name names, but, you know, those start at like 
eleven hundred to fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, yeah. and they don't come with the. I mean, if, if you were to put a Juice Link Riggy, for example, that's what three ninety nine. Yeah, the uh, the three battery, all that kind of stuff, the cords, all those kind of things, they all add up. So it's it initially sounds expensive. But if you were to put all that stuff together individually, it would probably cost you three to four grand to begin with. Yeah, I think the last one I saw that was sort of this kind of combination was from Red Rock Micro, and it was the Talon. And they were pushing that for a while as like a box that you put around your camera and then you adapted the rest of your rig to. That did not include XLR adapters or any power interfaces. It was just the box itself. So they right. have gone a little bit further at the price range of some of the com- competition by adding the XLR audio adapters and some of the extra mounts that you don't get with the other units. I would like to play around with one of these. It probably isn't something that I absolutely need, but I like the look of it. I was very impressed. I stood with the team at the NAB booth. They had a booth in the startup section, which was in the North Hall, which is why you never saw it. And, but I, I went up there uh, Wednesday morning and I stood with them and everybody that came into the booth was like, holy crap, this is exactly what I have been looking for. And there were several people that actually came from the central hall up to the North hall because they'd heard about it. And they were like, I've heard about this box and I really want to see it. So I was very impressed to see how many people just were flocking to their booth. And there were a whole bunch of other little startup companies that were there. And they were all like getting the cricket sound and the loggers lunchbox had a crowd. Now, one of the other things, for example, is one, one of the guys that came up while I was there was from a university and they have purchased like 10 or 20 DSLRs and they're they're They don't have the budget to go out and buy new cameras, for example, full ENG rigs and and whatever, like an Ursa or whatever. But they were very excited about taking their existing cameras and being able to give this uh, logger's lunchbox to the kids and say, all right, here's your full rig. You go out and shoot with it. One of the other things that I wanted to say about the electronics is is Edward and Hannah and Edward are a really fun couple to be with. But Edward is incredibly anal about electronics. And he and his sound guy worked on the electronics on the inside of this thing for like nine months, really? trying to make sure that it would be, you know, the preamps would be awesome and the the wires wouldn't cross over. And I mean, I, I don't know that much about the internals of electronics, but Edward went on and on and on when we had lunch last year. <laughs> He was just going, and then we did this, and we did that, and he was just really crazy, crazy anal about the electronics inside there. So he's like, there is no way there's going to be any interference from any devices. This thing is isolated. It's, it's you know, all those electronic buzzwords. He's really excited about what's inside this thing. Now, you heard a little bit from him about the audio system. Do you know if this has XLR Phantom Power available? I'm yes, not seeing absolutely. that on the list, so... Yeah. Okay, and then sure. what kind of gain are we looking at for the preamps in this guy? I don't know. I'll ask. 
Yeah, those, those are a few things I would be interested to find out. Um, I believe the beach deck units are 16 dB a gain, and the uh, juice link units are usually around 30 dB a gain. So if you could get somewhere in that sweet spot, that's enough to really turn down the preamps in a DSLR and bring that into the camera. This would also be pretty interesting if you strapped one of those new uh, black magic cameras, those little tiny guys on here. You could have a cute little box right in the front and then bring everything else in via this system. Um, yeah. I'm also looking at the pictures here. Looks like they're using RAM mounts as their adapter type for their viewfinder. So if you're not familiar with RAM mounts, uh, and I just a little quick note here, um, RAM mounts usually makes parts for like uh, uh, car adapters and stuff like that that uh, are rugged so you can put them on motorcycles or you can put them on uh, SUVs that are going off-road, stuff like that. But their ball system is pretty handy for camera gear too. And if you look on eBay, RAM mount parts, that's that ball and socket system with like the knuckle are pretty nice to have. So that might be something else to to pick up when you're looking at this lunchbox. I'm sorry, back to the lunchbox though. So where are the adapter, I mean, where are the volume controls? Do they have those in an easy to access location? It's actually right over your shoulder. If you're looking at it, there's, and, and, and they had several people give them suggestions, by the way, because there's a, it's kind of hard to see. And I actually shot a video. If you go to the Planet 5D website, you can see it. But uh, in, so in the picture you're looking at, you've got your cursor right in the middle there. Okay. Uh, so if you, if you move over to your right, you've, it's, it's just, and it's, Okay, I see L it right is. here. So let yeah, me go well, to the next image. It looks like th right there, is that the volume control system or is this no, the no, volume no, control it's, system? It's that it that right there, it's just behind that raised section in the back. Now, okay. there is actually uh, some LED lights that are on, on the top of that and it's flat, right? So it's, it's at a 90 degree angle. And what they are going to do in... The next batch of units is they're going to raise that to like a 30 degree angle so it's a little bit more visible from your because if if you're holding the rig and you look to your side because it's flat across your shoulder it's a little hard to see so they're going to raise it up to be like a 30 degree angle kind of a thing so that it's a little bit more visual because it's a it's a level meter with a led so you can see exactly what your levels are from from what you're doing Okay, okay. So you'll actually have volume meters that are visible while you're yes. operating. And then Correct. if you set it on your shoulder, you'll want your volume knobs to be on the outside so that you can reach around the camera and operate the volume control system and ride the faders as you're working with audio. Uh, does the headphone yeah, well, jack monitor question. Does the headphone monitor monitor directly out of the audio interface or is it from the camera itself? It's out of the audio interface. So, okay, so you can hear the audio cleanly through the interface as opposed to having to plug into the camera and bring the audio Correct. back. Nice. Correct. That's, yeah. These are all really, oh. actually, you know, you're kind of selling me on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and interestingly enough, and maybe I'll ask them about that because I hadn't thought about the fact that you, because the knobs that you were asking about are actually would be, mon would be adjusted with your left hand because they're on the left side Yes. As I recall. So if it's setting on you your would, shoulder right here, you would, no, not, yeah, okay, so you're holding it like this. You would reach over, right. grab the top, and then you would adjust the knobs like so, 
No, they're on. They're no, they're they're on your left side as opposed to the right. You're okay, reaching so over. I would do this then to no. adjust. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's not. It's on your right shoulder, not your left shoulder. Okay, okay. Right, but the knobs. If you're looking at me, the knobs are just here by your neck. Okay, so on, you do this as opposed to being on the outside. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think the um, last ENG camera I actually had and used had them on a rocker that was down by the hand grip itself. So right. it's kind of hard to think about where to put those. You really have to right. kind of find a spot that works, and then it's on your shoulder, so you're still kind of doing this and trying to pay attention to stuff and then see your audio level meters. It would be interesting to hold. Um, and these are a lot of these questions, hopefully they'll help you in your lunch meeting, but, uh, <laughs> I'm interested to find out the answers to them as well. So, well, I'll tell you, they, they are very receptive to suggestions. They've got a whole bunch of them at NAB. Uh, but one of the things that they did bless their hearts for me when I was talking to them last fall, before they actually created these production units is that in the back, there's a little space. And they have a couple of tools, you know, little Allen wrenches or, or tools for you to be able to adjust different parts of the thing. And I told them, I told Edward, I said, what I get so pissed off with is I'll get a rig or I'll get a, a slider or something that has an Allen wrench or a little kind of a wrench thing. And there's no place to physically store it permanently on the device so you end up putting it in a box or in your bag or somewhere and what happens it gets lost right yeah so on the back they've added a little attachment so that the two devices the two tools that you're going to need will actually screw back into the back of the rigs so you'll never lose them and they did that for me so they listened to feedback from from the people and i was very impressed by that so that's why they get two stars, five stars from me. Man, that is nice uh, actually thinking about where you're going to put your Allens and stuff. I've run into that so many times where I'm like, well, yeah, I hate it. where's my tool at? You know, it, I only need this one Allen. In fact, now because of that, I carry three of the same type of Allen in, in different bags. So that way, if I can't find one, I can go to the next bag and grab the next one. Or I gaffer tape it onto the back of something so that I know where right. it's at. Right. But those are not uh, appropriate solutions, especially... Uh, one rant real quick <laughs> sliders so with sliders there's always some piece that needs to be tweaked or turned and it's always either an allen or a flathead screwdriver that you need in order to do that and right. there's nowhere in most of the bags that they give you with these sliders to put that sort of thing or to keep it the shark slider my current favorite slider is actually an exception to that they give you a bag and a little area to slide all of the tools in that you need and to keep them in there. So as long as you get the tools out, use them, and then put them back, you're in a good spot. But I would like to see cradles on the device itself in order to hold them so that you can reach over and get it instead of having to run back to wherever your bags are laying to get your stuff. Exactly. You are so exactly right, and that's exactly why they put that little cradle on the back of the logger's lunchbox because of me and my rant, which is just like yours, because I get so tired of looking for those damn things. Well, on that note, no pick of the week this week. <laughs> uh, I've got a meeting to go to in about 10 minutes. So, Mitch, where can people find you? There's a website called Planet And you can also find me on planetmitch.com. Thanks for having me on, DJ. 
Uh, thanks as always for being here, Mitch, and I appreciate you getting up early in the morning to hang out with me. Everybody else, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. You can also check out the video on YouTube. That's One Lone Dork channel. And soon I will be back in a house again, so regular updates should be flowing <laughs> from my mind soon, I hope. Anyway, thanks for watching and listening to another exciting episode of DSLR Film Noob Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.